What the hell is the name of this song? It's Wayne's World. The award-winning Evan Grant. I can't even count anymore on my fingers and toes. Kevin Sherrington. Kevin Sherrington, clown number one. Barry Horn. He tried to get me in mid-chew. Hi, everybody. Welcome into another scintillating, exciting, we hope, edition of Ballsy. This is the Baseballsy podcast, and we have the ballsiest baseball writer I know on the phone from Colorado, Evan Grant. So I'm alone here in the studio. Kevin Sherrington is on assignment in Rio. So, Evan, thanks for being here. Hi, Barry. You kind of caught me off guard because usually um, I, wasn't, I wasn't aware that there would be some music and then you would introduce me. Well, I, you know, I, I actually thought you'd know that since, since you are the father and mother of this podcast. This is your baby, and um, I'm sorry I caught you off guard. Although we did try to call you about 15 minutes ago, and you were in a taxi cab. Is that correct? I was in a taxi cab. Was, was, was Harry Chapin driving? Uh, no. No. All right. Let's, so, not age Let's not date ourselves there. All right. Well, that, that's the only person I could date before I met my wife anyway. But anyway, and I, and I assume the same goes for you. You're in Colorado. It's Tuesday. The Rangers won again yesterday. They're on a three-game winning streak, I believe. Where are you? What is going on? I am uh, sitting in the lunchroom, which I thought would be, would, would be a quiet room, but there's quite the commotion here over what appears to be setting up the peanuts and the ice cream. Oh, okay. Well, ask them to tell tell them we're, we're ballsing podcast here, and they need to hold it down. Go ahead. I'll give you a minute. But anyway, no, I'm okay. All right, all right. So the Rangers are seven and three in their last ten games. Correct me if I'm wrong. They're on a three-game winning streak. They had a nice comeback win Monday against the Rockies. What are you? Are you are you practicing? Is that the Star Spangled Banner? Should I be standing up? That they're practicing it, and it appears to be quite the uh, quite the show that she's putting on while she sings it. So, uh, so, so I'm trying to move farther and farther away. Is she sitting in, in, in the lunchroom, or or or, or is she out down on the field? No, the her voice just seems to carry really, really, really well. All right, so but let's start. Let's get, let's get back to let's get back to baseball. Um, are you encouraged uh, since the trade? You have to be right since since what's gone on since the trade deadline. Well, I, I haven't been terribly encouraged by what the offensive performance has been. It's it, they've they've scuffled a little bit despite adding significant offense, but they have uh, they've won four of their last five games. Um, they. Uh, they have found, you know, Monday night they, they found a way to steal a game that they really probably had no business winning, and I think they're in a I think they're in a good place mentally, and I think they, you know, they did the most important thing that they needed to do on this road trip, which was put distance between them and Houston, and, and so much distance that that now it's uh, the Astros are no longer the team that is the Rangers' chief worry at this moment. It's, it's the Seattle Mariners. But but long term, I know the Mariners have moved into second place in the AL West. Long term, do you think it, it's the Mariners that they should be worried about, not not the Astros? Uh, you know, we're under fifty games now, and uh, fifty games left to play. And Seattle has has, has has played well for the last month. They have 
uh, kind of turn their season around. Uh, they certainly have um, a number one pitcher in Felix Hernandez, who's back after missing significant time. And if the Rangers are having trouble scoring runs, uh, the Astros are, are a, a complete disaster area. And, and so, yeah, I, I do think that right now you have to, at this point, consider Seattle the bigger threat. I think the most, the most interesting thing here is this sets up exceptionally well for the Rangers, Barry. Um, they don't play Seattle or Houston in the last 20 games of the season, I think it is. Meanwhile, the Astros and Mariners play each other six times in that stretch. Um, and then if you go to the final two weeks of the season, the, uh, the, uh, the, Rangers are, the Rangers' last 15 games are all against teams that have, at this point in time, losing records, and 12 of those 15 are at home. So the schedule is very much in the Rangers' favor. Um, today is the last day of uh, yet another three-city road trip, and when they get home today after having four – their last four road trips have all been three-city road trips. And until you've gone through a three-city road trip as a baseball person, I don't think it's really easy to understand what that, that extra city does in terms of, of your body and, and getting – getting fatigued, but having gone through all of this, the Rangers now have a huge advantage in the number of games remaining at home where they have the best record, well, the second best record in the American League to Baltimore. Uh, they're, in, they're in a really good spot. Having stabilized themselves, they are in a very good spot. But, but will you agree with me, and I know you will, that winning the AL West is no longer enough? This, if this team does not is not playing in October, is not in the World Series, does not have a, a at least a formidable formidable showing in that World Series, season's a disappointment. Yes or no? I, I can't go that far, Barry, because I, I, I like once you get in the tournament, um, and, and you know that for me, 2012 when this team led by nine games and then law ended up losing the wild card. Yeah, that's a disappointment after consecutive World Series appearances. Um, but I think once you get in the tournament, you're playing some very good clubs, and, and really series turns series turn on one hop or one misplay. We saw what happened in Game 5 against Toronto last year, and I think this team is built to go deep into October. I think the... The idea of having Darvish and Hamels at the top of the rotation does give them a real advantage um, in five- and seven-game series. But uh, it, it's impossible for me to say that if a team doesn't win the World Series, it's, it's a disappointment. But, but I think fans, fans back here in, in Dallas-Fort Worth would consider it somewhat of a failure. Uh, sure. I, and, and, I, and, you know, I think fans are – are are passionate and and fans you know live and die with with every game but the bottom line on this stuff is you are you know you play 162 games to get to this point you play then you play five and seven game series to determine advancement and it is the slimmest of margins that make the difference this is a good team this team should win the american league west 
is in my mind one of the one of the four best teams in baseball, if not one of the top two. Uh, but I certainly don't think that if this team went to the World Series that they would be favored against the Chicago Cubs at this point. So, you know, as good as the Rangers are, as 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 well as they have played, and as many changes as they have made to try and and make that deep run into October. There's other clubs that have that have played really well and have also made significant additions. Sure, I, I understand everybody's trying. It's not the Rangers aren't the only team that's trying, obviously. But let's let's look at it this way. I, I mean, you go back to 2011. The Rangers played a St. Louis Cardinals team that I think was what 82 and 80 or or, or barely over 500 right. when it made the World Series. You know. If the Rangers play the Chicago Cubs in the World Series, the Cubs have a really good number one, number two combination with Arietta and Lester. Really goes, you know, three deep with with John Lackey. Um, they've got great offense. Certainly, their their fans are going to be a huge. Uh, they will. They will, Evan. Let me say this: they'll be insufferable. They'll be insufferable, but they'll also make a huge impact and. And so I just don't think you can take anything for granted. I think even now, talking about, hey, this team and the Cubs should beat the World Series, I still think that's taking some things for granted. But sure. sure. This, is a team that, this is a team that has a very good chance to do significant damage in October. All right. Do, do, on the roster now, is the, is the number three starter for the postseason, and, and when I say on the roster, I, I'm including the injured players, uh, is, is the number three starter part of the Ranger organization now and the closer? Who will be the closer in the postseason? Um, uh, you, you know, Dyson has shown some, some signs of, of fatigue here lately, but and, and Jeremy Jeffress was great on, on Saturday night against the, the Astros, but Jeffress came out on Sunday and, and also allowed a run. So, I think what the Rangers are going to do here over the final two months is do everything they can to keep this bullpen as as fresh and as uh, uh, just as in 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 the best spot possible. And I would not be surprised to see come postseason, maybe even the final two weeks of the season, see Jeff Bannister do a whole lot of mixing and matching in the in the eighth and ninth innings. I mean, with with Bush, with Dyson, with Deakman, and with Jeffress, you you have the opportunity to really do some some matching up there. And we saw, you know, last night we saw Jake Deakman come out and and pitch the ninth inning, and he has pitched really well. He struck out the side on Sunday in his appearance against the Ashes. It's the first time this year he has struck out the side. They have got. They've got the bullpen that will allow this manager, when he needs to make moves that will impact the series, to to pick and choose from uh, from guys who he's got a whole lot of data on and, and who you know may give him the slimmest of margins in certain situations. Well, obviously, JD has showed us on last Monday, the trade deadline day, that he's he he's all in, isn't he? He's all in for this season. I, and, and you know what? I would I would argue that too. I mean, I think that that your point that he's all in. Yes, they made significant additions. Okay, so I, but I, I think what the okay. I think what the Rangers have done year after year 
is prove that they are going to make this team better. And, and what they did, they, they did add Carlos Beltran, who's a rental. That's the kind of all-in move. Right. But Lucroy and Jeffress, those are guys who will be here for next year. This is this was the idea, and I think they have done a better job than most clubs. When it comes to the trading deadline, when it comes to the winter, they look at those as opportunities to improve the ball club, not not just in the in the scope of this pennant race. Okay, so are are you, are you saying that there's they're done trading? Uh, John John Daniels is done. They're not. They, I, I, the only the only people they're going to be able to trade for now are guys who have really bad contracts or who are performing really poorly. Are, are you looking? We're now in a we're you, now in a waiver period. They would have to a player would either have to clear waivers before the Rangers could make a deal. And the only guys who are going to clear waivers are guys with enormous contracts or guys who are really underperforming. And they've got the last, in the American League, they've got the last uh, prevailing waiver point. So teams are going to block them. Teams are going to do whatever they need to do to uh, keep the Rangers from, from acquiring somebody. And, you know, I ran... I guess I ran a list last week of, of like, uh, once we got past August 1st, of five pitchers who might be available on waiver claims. Why, why don't you tell me again? You know, it was it was like the CC Sabathia, Ubaldo Jimenez. Um, uh, I think the, the – and I, I don't think this is realistic even at this point in time, Urban Santana. Uh, but you're not even talking about being able to get to somebody like Edinson Volquez. I think somebody would claim Edinson Volquez in a heartbeat and think that, that he could help their rotation. You have to look at bad contracts with significant money left that um, that are from American League clubs. The other guy that, that certainly is, is, is attractive in some regards is Masahiro Tanaka, and if the Yankees are shedding some of their veterans, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes on waivers. But Tanaka's got an elbow that could explode at any day, and you know he's got eighty-nine million dollars left in in uh, salary commitment. So that's, there's some risk associated with that. All right. Well, here's a here's a point I wanted to get to. I've, I've been I've been thinking of this for for days now, and I want you to you, your your response to this. When the Rangers got Beltran and Jonathan Lucroy, they didn't get a pitcher. That reminded me of the Cowboys draft when they drafted Zeke Elliott when they looked like they they needed defense more, and, and their philosophy there was, uh, you know, if we make the offense better, we don't need as much on defense. It was that similar to what J.D. was thinking when he couldn't get a pitcher and added uh, perhaps, uh, perhaps one of the top five catchers in baseball and a bat to take the place of Prince Fielder? Well, uh, similar, but not, you know, in, uh, the sports are different, and obviously the, the circumstances are different. The, the comp that I would give you is go back to 2000, the winter after 2010 when the Rangers didn't sign Cliff Lee, and they couldn't find a starting pitcher that they felt was, was worth money. They couldn't, they couldn't find that, that number one type starter to, directly improved their rotation. So what did they do? They went out and signed Adrian Beltre, figuring that they would improve their offense and that Beltre's defense at third base would make a difference. Well, if you look at what the Rangers have done this time, 
they've gotten one of the best defensive catchers in baseball who also is good at framing pitchers and can get pitchers some close calls. And I think we've seen that already in the first week with Jonathan Lucroy. You also get, in Jeremy Jeffress, another guy that allows you to shorten games up. You know, the Rangers won a game on Saturday night where their starting pitcher didn't last four innings. And they were able to run one-inning pitchers basically out there the rest of the game and beat the Houston Astros because they've got a really deep bullpen at this point in time. So I think that also tangentially kind of uh, improves the starting pitching. Um, the thing I didn't and I, I didn't bet on, or that I didn't wager on, was just the experience that guys like Carlos Beltran and, and Jonathan Lucroy bring to this club. You know, I, I wrote a column for this morning's paper about Carlos Beltran, and he sat down with you Darvish on on Saturday, and they had a twenty or twenty five minute conversation just about pitching and about mental preparation. And, and things like that. And people don't know you Darvish very well because of the language barrier that's existed and because I think he is kind of shy and, and a little bit private and, and wants to keep every advantage that he possibly can. But this guy's incredibly curious about baseball, incredibly curious about how to improve his craft. And, and he, he had this conversation with Beltran. Beltran talked to him about things that Pedro Martinez told him when they were uh, teammates on the New York Mets. Um, and he said something to, to you that I think really resonated with, with Darvish. And it's the same thing that I think other people have tried to tell him, but sometimes you hear a different voice, you hear a fresh perspective, you hear it in different words, and it makes all the difference in the world. And, and basically the message was this. Yes, it's important to throw to pitch inside and pitch with the fastball inside. But the way... The way Carlos explained it was Pedro always used to say, I'm going to pitch inside because I know I can. Not because I have to, but because I know I can. And when I talked to Carlos about this yesterday, his, his, his side of the, of the anecdote was the way, Car- the way Pedro explained it was, if you say you have to, then there's doubt in your mind. And you can't go out there with doubt in your mind. And it made a huge difference. You know, you went out. I went out and watched you Darvish pitch on Sunday, and it was as good a start as I have seen him have, really, with the with the Rangers. Yes, he beat a bad Houston club in 2013 and flirted with a perfect game, but this was against a club that was in the pennant race on Sunday, didn't allow a walk, um, was efficient with his pitches, showed the ability to set up pitches with his fastball, and was able to even get swings and misses with the fastball because of speed variance on the fastball, because of different locations with the fastball. And he is a different pitcher right now. He is a confident pitcher. I, I think that the last two starts with Lucroy behind the plate and the conversation with Beltron, a Hall of Fame type player who has faced you Darvish in the regular season and who had experience with great pitchers, I think that really made a difference for you. Is 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 Lucroy already the third greatest catcher in Rangers history? I mean, it, it, <laughs> it it just after a week. I, well, I, you know, it, there is a pretty significant drop off when you go from from Pudge and Sunberg uh, down. Um, but I don't know that I would say just 
just a week makes him the third best catcher in Rangers history. He's really good at his craft. Uh, the other story, and I'm, I'm hoping to talk to, to Jonathan about this today. I haven't had a chance since then because of the schedule. But, you know, Friday he got his first day off with the Rangers. Right. Catcher gets a day off. It's a stressful job, you know. I expect to see the guy kind of kind of taking it easy. Um, you get your swings in. You get your workout in. But I expect to see him taking it kind of easy. He spent a good hour the entire time that we were in the Rangers clubhouse pregame. Um, at a table, earbuds in, giant notebook out, writing scouting reports on the pitchers that he he had worked with already, the hitters that, that they were going to face in, in, against Houston, and just putting a tremendous amount of work into preparation. And I, this is not to take anything away from Robinson Trinos or Bobby Wilson or any of the guys who have worked here. But it's clear to me that, that Jonathan Lucroy is, is a step above as major league catchers go. Is he Buster Posey? You know, I, I, I think that's, that, that would be unfair to say. But he is he's in the top uh, but, but, third of big league catchers. I, I think we've almost forgotten here in this market what it's like to have a – I mean, certainly Pudge was, was you know, he's a – First ballot you know, Hall of Famer, but but in the Pudge years, was great off, Pudge was a great offensive player and he was a great thrower. I don't think anybody and, and we sometimes overly criticize Pudge for his lack of game, right? Uh, of pitching preparation, uh, I think Lucroy is an above average offensive defensive catcher. I think he is an exceptional pitch framer. Nobody Pudge is the best throwing catcher in the history of baseball, right? So to make that comparison ever would be unfair, but this is a guy who is going to make a difference for this pitching staff, often in a lot of ways that you won't overtly notice. You know, it's easy to notice when a guy throws a laser from home to second base and guns down a runner, or when the running game completely shuts down. It's a lot more difficult to notice when a 1-1 count to 1-2 because of a close because he was able to bring a pitch in and, and present it to the umpire in a way that got the count in the pitcher's favor, and then the whole at bat change. Did, so, look, did they rob the Brewers blind in that trade? No, 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 no. I, I, I think the Rangers gave up a, a significant amount of talent. Lewis Brinson, you know, Joey Gallo played in the big leagues this year, and and he's had enough at bats that you no longer, uh, according to to Baseball America's. Um, threshold or some of the scouting services threshold, he's then considered a big leaguer and no longer considered prospect status. And and Lewis Brinson was this year's best player in the system. So they gave up the best player in the system. Luis Ortiz was clearly the best pitcher in the system and the, the closest pitcher to the major leagues, the, the closest guy to really be a, a really being able to help this team in a significant way. And those were the first two pieces of that. They will give up a third piece. Now, it won't be Profar, um, and I'm relatively certain it won't be Gallo. You can't, the player to be named later can't be a guy who, is, who plays in the big leagues after the trade. Also, from what I've, if I understand the rule correctly, it can't be somebody who was in the big leagues at the time of the trade. So Profar clearly can't be that guy. Gallo was in the big leagues at the time of the trade and was sent down only after the other players arrived. So 
I don't think that the Rangers can give up Profar or Gallo as a third player in that deal, but they're going to give up another um, significant player. Will, will it be a will it be a name of a player that most people recognize, or will it be somebody who only insiders know? Do you think? You know, it, uh, <laughs> if you based on the fact that Mazzara, Profar, Gallo have all come to the big league this season, and that Mazzara, that Ortiz, and Brinson were the top two pitching and, and player prospects in the organization. I, I was having some conversations with guys the other day about who would be the top, um, both the top pitcher and the top position player in the organization right now. And, and to those of us who are around the club, I mean, the names are, are, are significant. You know, it's either Ronald Guzman or, or Leody Tavares, uh, an outfielder who's, who's really young um, among the position players. Um, uh, Johander Mendez among the pitchers, maybe maybe Ariel Jurado or or even Brett Martin, um, but those are not names that I think many of the casual fans have have heard or are familiar with. I think that when it's all said and done, it will not surprise me. Based on the way the Brewers had structured their deal with Cleveland, that Luke Roy eventually rejected. And from what I've heard of Brewers general manager David Stern, this is a team that values up the middle players. Well, they got a center fielder. Um, the Rangers don't have a high-level catcher. They do have a wealth of middle no infielders. Yeah. So it wouldn't surprise me if you see somebody like Josh Morgan or Miguel De Leon or um, somebody of that nature being – well, the, uh, the third player. And, and and before I turn into Mr. Rambling all day long, the other part of that you, is... You, you've you already know, done that, Evan. I know. Pitchers are the currency of the game, bearing, And so if they can get another pitcher, you know, you're never going to complain about getting more pitching. Pitchers. Right. So but, 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 if, but if, but if, the, if, the, if, the, if the Rangers give up a middle infielder, how old is Profar now? 23. How old is Rugi now? 22. All right. So where where is there room? And we're not even talking about Elvis. Where is there room on this roster for a middle infielder right now? Well, let me just say this. That, you know, the Rangers' first priority at the trade deadline was to acquire a young, controllable, and established starting pitcher. And they thought the prices were too high. Um, what I have heard secondhand was that for Matt Moore, the deal was, the deal was the, the proposed deal from Tampa Bay was Ortiz, Brinson, and Profar. Okay, and they weren't going to give up that much at that point in time. But you still have Profar and Joey Gallo in the system. You save those two right, guys. Right. And come, come the winter time, the Rangers will be once again shopping for young, controllable starting pitching. So they may have to be prepared at that point in time to give up a Profar or a Gallo in order to to secure a starting pitcher because the free agent market for pitching is weak. Who 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 the market for Go ahead. The, no, the market for for starting pitching may change a little bit. It may not be as hyperinflated as it was at the deadline, but I think you still may have to steal yourself that you're going to have to give up one of these um, major league caliber middle infielders in order to land a starting pitcher. Which which of the two do you think the Rangers would be more willing to give up? 
I think Profar. I think they, you know, here, here's the, Jerickson does everything well. Rugi is a, Rugi has off-the-chart hitting ability, um, particularly when it comes to, to power. Um, he's also a better runner than Jerickson. So I, I think that baseball player, baseball people seem to, um, they seem to value the, the, the individual tools that are off the scale more than just the all-around ability. Um, and so if, it, if, it, if, if I'm reading the Rangers correctly, I think that they like, they like the, the edge that, that Ruggi brings to the game. And, and, and this is another thing. I think that Profar brings, brings an enthusiasm and an excitement that's an asset. But I think in, in the world of baseball, the, the macho world of sports, that when you see a guy who's you know willing to deck somebody, um, th- th- that stands out as quote unquote edgier. Obvi- so, obviously, Evan, I, I I was I didn't make myself clear when I said which of the two do you think they'd rather get rid of? I meant Gallo or Profar, but I think you've answered that as well because Gallo has that one outstanding. Uh, well, Gallo has that one outstanding tool, but you know Joey strikes out a ton. And and the fact that Jerickson has learned to play first base this year, that he's learned to play the outfield well, you know, you can make a case, and as much as Jeff Bannister values versatility, you could make a case next year that that Jerickson Profar could be more valuable to his team than, than Joey Gallo. I, I think some of that's going to come down to, you know, if they go, let's say they go to Tampa Bay, and, and for some reason they do get into a conversation about Chris Archer, does Tampa Bay more want Joey Gallo or Jerickson Profar? And if they have a conversation with um, Chicago about Jose Quintana or, you know, and I don't want to get anybody excited, but if Chris Sale's name comes into it, who does Chicago more prefer? And so then when it comes down to is the pitcher the Rangers would acquire, which do the Rangers prefer? You know, which pitcher do the Rangers prefer when it comes to which of these two guys would they be willing to, to give up the headline? Deal? Well, for, don't you think Chris Sale would take both of them plus? I think Chris Sale would take both, both for sure. But I, given given the fact that the name is recognizable and that we're running out of time, I just thought I'd throw it out there. Evan, I, I, the most pressing question I have: You're sitting in the lunchroom. What's for lunch? Let's see. I'm going to read you the menu that they just wrote up. There is, um, and this is interesting, Barry, because. Uh, they say that they're having a chorizo, black bean, cotija, guacamole, torta, which seems what like it's this? a very complicated thought sandwich. Um, they're having an open-faced chicken fried steak on Texas toast. And here's the one that I don't get there. You don't get okay. – I don't get the first two, but go ahead. An open-faced, an open-faced chicken fried steak sandwich, I can understand that. I, you know what I you – know, I, 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 I get that, but that, that tells me heart, that's heart attack on, on a – on, on a bread. Go ahead. All right. There is something here listed, and, and it, it, there's no commas, no punctuation. There's something here listed as fresh taco potato chips. I like that. What is that? I don't know, but what, what do you... Is that taco seasoned potato chips? I think so. What are you, go, what are you going for, Evan? Um, oh, Barry.
very, you know, I'm, I'm very and much about fried. health. Uh, so I'll be having salad. Oh, could you take a picture of that and post that? I don't believe it. I, and what do you think Eric will go for? He's a he's a connoisseur, Eric Nadell. What will he go for? I'm, I'm going to wager that Eric has already been out on the streets of Denver, has gone to one of the many salad shops here, and has bought a kale chopped salad with some kind of gluten free dressing. Well, he's an old man. He's much older than we are, so I, I can understand why he has to be so health conscious. But yes, he's very health conscious. Evan, I think we've done a terrific job without Kevin here of uh, of of summing up in 32 minutes and 42 seconds uh, everything that we needed to talk about. Is there anything we've left out? No, Barry. It's it, it's been uh, it's been a great conversation, okay. um, did, did, and uh, I look forward to being back with you next week in okay. Dallas. Oh, and um, uh, all the fun that we can have then. For week number, what is it? Week number four without Kevin. You know, you know. I just wanted you to be aware that I listened to the podcasts you did last week, uh, and the one you, in particular with, you did with David Moore, and you plotted basically the two of you plotted your, your Alexander Haig moment and getting rid of Kevin and I. I heard that, so I haven't forgotten that. Yeah, that we were just kidding around. Oh, that's not what David said, because, you know, we have another podcast uh, going this week. It's with David Moore, and it talks all about the Cowboys. And, by the way, you seem to poo-poo the, uh, when, I, when I brought the football-baseball analogy. Do you know Jason Garrett, his motto this, this training camp is 17 inches because that's the width of home plate? Are you aware of that? He, so he was able to mix sports, so I think we should be able to as well. Okay, I would hope that Jason Garrett's motto is more like uh, ten yards, but no, it's 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 seventeen inches. We we and, and everybody who wants to know why has got to listen to the uh, ballsy cowboy podcast this week because David went into great depths about how what's what's inside the mind of Jason Garrett. All right, well, as long, I I was more interested to hear about how Jerry liked thought Denzel Washington was a great actifier and um, uh, all his favorite movies that he used to watch, like uh, reminiscing about the uh, Titans. Well, we, 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 we unfortunately uh, didn't get into a lot of Denzel talk, but, but we did get, they went to Nobu last night. The, the Cowboys. Yeah, I, I saw pictures. Yeah. The, the cow, the Cowboys had a media party at Nobu. David said, he went only because to cover the event in case anything uh, untimely or un, uh, something happened that would, would make news. So he was not there to eat. Let's be crystal clear about that and, and, partake, right, well, and partake in whatever beverages were served. Cause David, David, that sounds like an immense amount of fun. So, But, Evan, not as much fun as the last 35 minutes and 18 seconds have been with you. I want to thank you. For being with us, I hope you travel safe, get home well, and you're sitting right here next to me on the Ballsy Podcast next week. Thanks for thanks for doing this, Evan. All right, Barry, take care. All right, and that's it. That's another brilliant ball. We don't use the word brilliant enough. Brilliant Ballsy Podcast. That was with Evan Grant. Uh, unfortunately, Kevin Sherrington is running around Brazil. I don't know what he's doing. I, I asked if we could call him. He said no. 
He said uh, he didn't want to be he didn't want to do an Olympics podcast with us this week, for which I apologize. I thought it would be different and exciting. We 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 could get we could get Kevin maybe in a salsa moment, but no, we could bring up uh, the the demonization of uh, Russian athletes that that seems to be the propensity of NBC these days because uh, there's no East Germans around to pick on anymore. But uh, for everyone, I just want to thank you so much for being with us. That's a wrap, and that's Ballsy for the Week.